Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18+. plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. It's wintertime. When temperatures go down, the likelihood goes up that your furnace and other appliances go down with them. So don't risk a costly replacement. Stay comfortable with coverage on the appliances you depend on most with the Service Guard Appliance Repair Program from Black Hills Energy. It's peace of mind in a plan. Visit blackhillsenergy.com slash sign up to learn more. Have you ever thought about starting your own podcast? You know, when we were trying to get this podcast off the ground, we had a lot of questions. How do you record an episode? How do I get the show into all the apps people like to listen to? You know, best of all, how do we like to make money off this podcast? The answer to every one of these questions is really simple. Anchor. Anchor is a one-stop shop for recording, hosting, and distributing your podcast. Best of all, it's 100% free and ridiculously easy to use. And now, Anchor can match you with great sponsors who want to advertise on your podcast. That means you can get paid to to podcast right away. In fact, that's what we're doing right now by reading this ad. You know, I like to listen to, to my scary podcast during the week while I'm at work. And man, let me tell you, it just gets me in an extra zone so I can keep working all day long. So if you've always wanted to start a podcast and make money doing it, go to anchor.fm slash start to join me and a diverse community of podcasters already using Anchor. That's anchor.fm slash start. I can't wait to hear your podcast. of high low podcast and this one's gonna be a little bit different we're you know not in the same location so we're doing a little bit of a long distance podcasting this week so this week we're gonna be talking rounding up ncaa football again for week four week three in the nfl and a couple crazy things that happened this weekend in the fight game so dj here we are week three in the nfl same thing we did last week what are some things you saw going down the line from this week's games So I'm going to start just with the Thursday night game. We have Jacksonville versus Tennessee. Tennessee coming off that close loss against the Colts. And Jacksonville basically coming off of two rough games to start the season. They really didn't look too great in either one of them. But this game, they came out and rolled 20-7. to And I think I'm just going to stick with the basic one here and say Minshew Mania is here. Gardner Minshew, a guy we talked about in the preseason predictions, saying he could be one of those younger rookie quarterbacks that could stand out no one's talking about. And so far, he has showed out. He has done everything for this offense that they thought Nick Foles was going to do. And I think Minshew Mania is real. I think Jacksonville, I don't know if they're going to compete for a playoff spot necessarily. But he definitely makes them fun to watch, if nothing else, and gives them an offensive threat. No doubt, no doubt. And that was that's exactly right. I'm right there with you. Minshew, man, that dude can ball out when he wants to. The mustache is here. Uh, but the big thing for me, 
isn't so much from the game it's from what happened on Sunday I mean I'm still going to include it because it's technically week three but Jalen calling in sick saying he doesn't want to play and I know I think we'll talk about this a little more but you know Jalen Ramsey dude that he played but I don't know man is he still going to be in Jacksonville come come next week I, I I don't know and we could touch on it now I do not like what he's doing I mean obviously he, there's an issue there I a lot of speculation is him and Tom Coughlin aren't getting along which that's fine you don't always love your employer we all understand that you want out it's the business you can demand a trade but Calling sick is like the ultimate childish kind of petty move. Like, oh, I don't feel well. It's like when you don't want to go to go to college because somebody's going to be in your class you don't want to see or something like that. It just seems exactly. kind of, I won't say weak, it just seems really childish and kind of petty, especially for a guy who pulled up to practice in a Brinks truck. You're trying to get paid, but no one's going to want to pay you if you act like this. Granted, somebody still will because he's that good, but it's not sending a good message, man. I mean, he's basically asking to get sent to Oakland AB style and then get his guaranteed money threatened at this point. Exactly. No, it's crazy. I just don't, I don't get what he's thinking. I mean, at this point, I'm just like, show up, do your job. I, you know, I talk about him getting a little extra every once in a while. And I feel like this is one of those cases where dude, just, just show up and do your thing, you know? And if you really don't want to do your thing, just show up and say, Hey, I'm feeling under the weather. I will just sit on the sideline or something like that. You don't call in sick. I mean, that's odd. Like you don't even really do that in our regular day jobs. We'll call in if we're dying sick, but that's, that's a little bit different. We, for this type of job, you basically just kind of show up and are like, look, I'm feeling under the weather. I don't want to practice. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, you have one of the best medical units you could possibly have with in a football team. So Let's be honest. You're, you're probably honestly better off, even if you're sick, going to the facility anyways. Exactly. And they probably said something on the lines while he's like, oh, I'm sick. <laughs> oh, and God, my 97 degree temperature. Oh, no. Or whatever the damn standard exactly. temperature is. I don't remember off the top of my head. It's like 97, 98, somewhere in there. Yeah, you know, 98.6, but no big deal. Close enough. <laughs> but moving on. Uh, next game I got listed, we got Lions-Eagles. Um, for me... This is the third consecutive wins for, for, for the Lions versus the Eagles, which is kind of shocking given, you know, all the teams that have matched up over the years, Lions, Eagles. You just wouldn't imagine that would be a stat line that comes from this game. Um, you know, carry on Johnson with C.J. Anderson gone was facing an eight-man box. And <laughs> let's be honest, good luck trying to beat an eight-man box, especially from Philly. But they Detroit somehow managed to pull this one out. I'm not even sure how. This is kind of honestly shocking to me. I feel weird about it because Detroit is basically undefeated, being 2-0-1. But the story of this game to me was the Eagles' offense is decimated. You're, all their receivers are broken. Their offensive line's dinged up. Carson Wentz doesn't look 100%. They can't run the ball as well as they should. I've, I bring it up kind of every week because I thought the Eagles were going to be the one of the premier offenses this year. And I thought Carson Wentz was going to be the MVP candidate, maybe even the leader. But it's not looking good, man. Like They just can't get it clicking in the first half. They're... They're the ultimate Jekyll and Hyde. First half, they've been pretty mediocre. Second half, they can kind of get it going, but it's been ugly for him. I mean, Nelson Aguilar looked good, but at the same time, he has his moments. He <laughs> should be your third receiver. At, like, And then Jordan Howard's a stud. I don't know why they can't get him the ball and get him rolling consistently. You know, I, I said it in the preseason predictions about Jordan Howard. I just don't think he fits into Philadelphia's offense. And I, it has been my worry whether he fit in or not, and – so far through three games, they seem to have proven me right and just not being able to get him around and, and going, which I hate because I'd rather be proven wrong because Jordan Howard is a good player. They need to take a page. You know, I don't get me wrong. I'm not sorry. 
I'm not an Eagles fan by any means, but you know, I want to see Jordan Howard do well. He's a good dude. He he plays what well. he plays the game right. He doesn't he doesn't pull a, any Jalen type mess. So you know, you kind of want to see him. do They need well. to take a page from Lincoln Riley's playbook and kind of call some plays that fit your players, not just call call plays and be like, oh, player, plug in here. This will work. You got to kind of mold your system a little bit, put him in situations to succeed. I mean, you went out and got him. Exactly. He's a stud running back. And in those certain situations, third and ones, like those tough yard situations, kill the clock, any sort of thing like that, let him get some burn. Let him let him beat up the defense a little bit and use your play action over the top with Zach Ertz and get the guys you do have. Exactly. Yeah, no, and, you know, speaking, you mentioned Nelson Aguilar. I think by now we've all seen the video of the guy who, in, you know, in the burning building in Philadelphia yeah. was catching babies. Yeah, that was. A.K.A. better than Nelson Aguilar. So, you know, that just kind of goes to show you just how much of a joke Philly looks at at the Eagles right now is just their offense and just how bad it is. It, it doesn't make sense because they have all the weapons. They just, for some reason, can't put it into – put it all together. One, it is – I don't know. It's one weird. thing I do like is that the Aguilar actually invited that critical fan to the next game. He actually sent him an invite to the game, so that was kind of cool. He seems to be taking it in stride. Yeah, you know, Nelson Aguilar is also another one of those guys. You know, he does everything right. He doesn't seem to get too much – <laughs> so it's good to see he can he can take a little joke like that. People do like to trash but. on him for when he has negative plays, but then when he poops on their team, it's like, oh damn. Well, that's because our defense sucks. No, Nelson's pretty. He's a pretty dirty guy, especially as that slot receiver for them. They just got to get the outside receivers healthy and clicking. Oh no doubt. And then moving on, next game we got listed: Jets Patriots. You know, <laughs> Brendan when he gets back on the pot next next time, his his AFC winning Jets. Uh, we're going to have to discuss this with him. Uh, they could not pull it out against the Patriots. 3-0 and Patriots now, 0-3. You say they the couldn't Jets. pull it out, but they couldn't even get into it necessarily, honestly. I mean, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I want to say – That's like, being nice. I want to say something clever like, oh, the Jets are coming. They just need everyone to get healthy, but we can't – We base. I'd have to base that on nothing. So what I'm just going to say is the Jet. the one thing I took away is the Patriots don't care, nor did they ever need Antonio Brown. They're still a force. They still have – They've given up a total of, I think, 17 points through three weeks. I mean, my goodness, teams give up more than 17 points to Patrick Mahomes in a quarter. So, yeah, I think the secondary like, to give is the you best an idea. in the league. I, I don't know. I think it's I think it's one of the – this is probably one of their best teams they've had in a long time, especially defensively. Tom Brady's the ultimate, basically, precision quarterback at this point. He's not killing you by any means, but he's making it. He's doing what he has to do. They did lose James Devlin, their all-star fullback is unfortunately on IR, but they'll be fine. James White, Rex Burkhead, they are the team that can get away with plug and play because they draft players that will fit. Exactly. They're they're very much a we draft our system players. We don't draft just a stud. You know, they, they just draft people that are coachable, people that they can plug and play, and people people that are willing to be to, to sit down and learn, you know. And to, to your point on that defense, I mean, the Jets pretty much – Play, had the bare minimum amount of plays you can have for any offensive series in the first half in their, let's see, three – in their six drives, they ran a total of 26 plays. No, sorry, 25 plays in their six drives, Basically, which is like, about yeah. as close to four and out every every drive that you can get. Which is absolutely ridiculous. I mean, like, they're clearly missing Sam Darnold, and even – we even talked about it. Like, we both liked it just not as much as Brendan did, of course, but we liked him. But they were missing pieces. Yeah. Like they had, a, I think they have their quarterback. Le'Veon Bell's a stud. Robbie Anderson can run. 
but they have no offensive line. They have no like true receiving core. There's just a lot missing. I don't even know who their tight end is either. I mean, it's embarrassing. It's it's rough to watch in in, in New York. Um, and you know, kind of honestly, the one big thing from this game for me has nothing to do with the game. Kind of like the Jacksonville game. It's it's definitely the AB stuff that ended up happening. Um, you know, without AB, you said it yourself. You know, they they proved they don't need him. Um, AB is officially retired now. I guess is is the word on quote unquote retired slash not playing slash throwing a fit slash yeah. being re-enrolled in Central Michigan. Like we'll see how this all works out. I mean, he's made enough money; he'll exactly. be fine either way as long as he spends within reason. But you got to think like a lot of those endorsement deals are going away. Like a lot of the stuff happens because of football. But now without football, how much of it is he going to lose? And he's still a young guy. I think if he can get to his senses within like a year or so, it'll work out. But right now, it's ugly, man. And he needs to get this stuff sorted out because there's still a lot of teams that will sign him as soon as the, he is legally basically quote-unquote cleared. Yeah, and we talked about this. I mean, you know, the legal stuff aside, I hope he gets hit whatever's going on with his brain figured out because there's something wrong. Uh, I mean, you literally look at him and you see his tweets and his Instagram posts. None of them really make any logical sense. There's not too much brain working going on there. And so you're just sitting there wondering, like, how much did that Vontez Burfecht and any other concussions he's ever suffered really affect him? Because this is, I mean, something's going on. And again, like I said, legal things aside, you know, when it comes to legal things, you get what you deserve, whatever happens with these legal things. You know, if he's guilty, he's guilty. And if he's not, he's not, but you get what you deserve with that. But the, as far as the, the other side of it, dude, he needs to get fixed first. Like he needs to figure out what's going on with his brain. Cause this is, this is kind of scary to watch. It definitely feels I don't want to say illogical because I mean, it sound like Spock or something ridiculous, but something just doesn't seem to be adding up 100%. So hopefully it's just, hopefully it's nothing serious. Well, I'll just leave it at that. Hopefully it's nothing serious. I'll move on to the next game. Basically, the story of that game is Patriots roll. Nothing changes. Easiest division for them exactly. in football. But a team that AB wanted to trade for AB and a team that is possibly, that is leading that division are tied. The surprising Buffalo Bills, 21-17 to win over Cincinnati. The Josh Allen train is rolling and I, the thing I took away from this game is the Bills are super well coached. My goodness, like minus the Patriots, maybe and maybe the Chiefs, they might be the best coached team in the league. They are always in a position to thrive, whether they are talent deficient or not. They are always, they're always in the right place at the right time. Whether they can make the play or not is, like we said, determined on who's there and how good the players and whatnot. But they do not beat themselves. It's and crazy to see honestly because the Bills for a while were kind of a joke, but now they're yeah. I don't know if they're a playoff force, but they're no slouch for anybody. No, you're exactly right. Uh, I mean, you, you we talk about it, and this game is, you know, the Bills were just in it from the beginning. And, and you know what, though? My, my pick in Tredavious White is looking real pretty right now. He had his second uh, two-plus interception, interception game in this time, this, his first time ever, and he now has eight career picks. I mean – you know, he's looking pretty good. He's backing up my pick for him in the top five cornerback role. And, yeah, he's – I mean, him and that defense are just keeping Buffalo in games, and that offense is doing what they have to do to win. It's kind of crazy. They it's tossed crazy. away LaShawn McCoy, and that rookie, he is kicking it. He is – they plug him right in, and he is hitting the holes, and he's he's basically always getting positive yards. I don't know how him and Josh Allen just give you – they can run the ball, move the clock, that sort of thing. And he makes just enough plays with his rocket arm that – they're just a weird team. I don't even know why they're good, but they are. They just find a way to claw it out every time. 
dead. And, you know, they had a rookie tight end catch their, his first touchdown pass. Freaking Dawson Knox, somebody who you don't even hear about. He never even recorded a single touchdown when he was in college at Ole Miss. Which is crazy. Catches his first touchdown pass for Buffalo. Like, that just goes to show you where Buffalo is getting these guys. They're kind of taking a page out of New England's book, getting coachable young guys who are willing to learn. It's you know it's great to see though because Buffalo has really been that joke for a long time, and it's that it's crazy to see like because a lot of the talk coming out about Josh Allen was his accuracy issues and his completion percentage, all that stuff. He's getting better though. I mean, like he's shown nothing but improvement. He still has those plays. He's still not a finished product by any means, but he's you're able to win games with him. He's got a lot of that young bit Ben Roethlisberger feel to him with even more mobility and a stronger arm, like almost like Big Ben two point you know, I'd even say, to take it a step further, he reminds me of a young Brett Favre, where he'll win you some games with his arm, but he might lose you some games with his arm because he just is – he's trying to fire it into the smallest gaps possible. And he has the arm strength. He just doesn't have the accuracy sometimes. Exactly. And we'll, we'll but, move on to our next game here. And this game featured an absolute murder from your boy Jeff Heath trying to kill his former teammate Allen Robinson as the Cowboys oh, yeah. take on the Dolphins. And basically 31-6. to six, Dolphins were never really a threat, especially in that second half. The one thing I took away from it is I don't know if Dallas is as good as we thought because this Dolphins team had no business keeping it close for as long as they did. Sure, Dallas still won, covered the spread, I think. I mean, they won by, what, 25? I think the spread was 22. Yeah. But you got to bury this team early. Like, this team's not quite ready to win yet. They're still learning how to win. They're very young, but it was, what, 10 to 6 for how long? Dak was a little around. Oh, yeah, I mean on. – I know down the stretch at the you end of the game, Zeke and Pollard have 100 yards. Dak has his, couple, his three touchdowns and a few hundred yards. Damari has his two touchdowns. Jeff Heath has his first career murder. They they just didn't look very good, <laughs> though. Like, it just kind of piled on at the end. But it looked like – it was like in Madden after the game's already won against the computer and you just start stu- stuffing stats in there for your team. But throughout the game, they didn't look that great. If they were doing this against a better team, I don't know if they come out with this one. Yeah, I mean, they, they started off hot. You know, you get up 10 nothing against the Dolphins, and you're, you're probably thinking, like, okay, they're going to – they're done. But now the Dolphins the Dolphins clawed back, man. They got, you know, two two field goals before halftime, made it 10-6. Um, literally, the Cowboys couldn't do crap on offense. It was just punt, punt. There's interception in there. Um, embarrassing. They You know, thankfully, they come out in the second half, score a touchdown, and, you know, it's well, two touchdowns in the, in the third quarter. And then – but, again, they, you know – you're right that those two touchdowns were all that happened in the second in the third quarter, and then it was just like you know some more punts, a missed field goal. Miami turns it over on downs twice, and you know Dallas is just in a good position to score at that point. So that was the only reason they put up even more. This honestly probably shouldn't have covered the spread. It should have been. <laughs> You're right. If it's a lot, if it's any other team than Miami and maybe Arizona we're having a different conversation about this Dallas Cowboys team being 3-0 and right now. Which is weird to say when you dominate a team like they did, you normally don't find negative things to say about them. But we've seen how bad this JV Miami team is. We basically expect any quality team to roll them by 30. I mean, basically what the Ravens and the Patriots did. We expect that from every quality team. And I think the Cowboys are a quality team this year, but this was just a – maybe they just weren't ready for being this big of a favorite. I don't know, but it was not what you wanted to see. Yeah, but, you know, in a positive note for the Cowboys, Zeke did reach over 100 yards finally. So there's something to take away positively from the Cowboys' point of view. Exactly. They showed, they basically showed they can still run the heck out of the ball even if they have to. Exactly. Cool. But 
moving forward, uh, we got the Raiders Vikings. Yeah. You know, the Vikings pulled one out against the Raiders. You tweeted it from the account yesterday. You know, I bet you the Vikings wish they were playing the Raiders every week, especially for Dalvin Cook. Um, but again, the one thing I want to take away from this game is there still seems to be something messed up in the quarterback wide receiver tandem in Minnesota. I don't know what's going on, but Stephon Diggs got me 1.4 fantasy points. You know, Adam Thielen had to run the ball in for a touchdown. Like, what is going on? Adam Thielen did snag one, at least. I mean, at least they're getting that part going. But I don't know. It's like they want to be a running first team, but somehow at the expense, it's made their passing game virtually irrelevant for 90% of every game. Which is embarrassing because you have two of the best receivers in the game on the same team, and you're you're just not using them at all. The plus side is at least Dalvin Crazy. Cook is eating, so they're not like running in and getting empty calorie yards. But I, I agree with you. That's really weird that they can't figure out this passing game. It's probably time to start looking for a new quarterback if you're Minnesota. And for me, the other takeaway was, oh, Oakland. Oh, Oakland. Oh, Oakland. I feel like this is going to be a rough season for them. They – they can't seem to get anything going. They couldn't stop the run. They couldn't really stop the pass. I mean, it was more of the Vikings offense. It was the reason they didn't put up 50. And then on offense, it's yeah. literally just Derek Carl throw a touchdown to Tyrell Williams. And that's about it the entire game. Josh Jacobs will – Which is great for my fantasy team. It's great for you. That's true. But that's a, not great for <laughs> Oakland fans. And Josh Jacobs is good, but they need to find a way to either give him the ball. They just I don't think they know what they're doing is the thing. I just think – they're almost like they're trying out a different thing every week. Like, how do we want to play this year? And it's I don't even think they're even trying this year. I feel like they're all checked out for this year, just waiting to get to Las Vegas, and that's when they're going to, quote-unquote, turn it up. You know, yeah, Honestly, you probably have something there. There's something with John Gruden. With, you know, and maybe it's just the whole trust the process thing like they're trying to bring to the NFL right now with trading away all the, you know, top picks, top, top, you know, players they had and, getting all these picks and young guys, maybe maybe they are doing something along those lines. So when they get into Vegas, they're not putting uh, crap onto the field, you should say. <laughs> you can say, I guess. Maybe they're going to be trying to make a Showtime-style Oakland, Los Angeles, Las Vegas Raiders, whatever they're going to be called. You know, it's, I don't know. It's weird to see, though. It is, it's hard to watch a Raiders game right now and, and actually think they're actually going to be competitive for the whole year. Amari Cooper, you bring Antonio Brown, you have to get rid of Antonio. You got to get rid of Antonio Brown. Well, I guess you have Tyrell Williams, who's outperforming what we thought, but he's still not a game breaker. You trade away Cleo Mack, and now you don't have a pass rusher, one of the worst in the league at pass rushing. They Basically, the two biggest holes on their team are stuff they had filled. So if they would have kept those two, who knows where they'd be at. Exactly. But moving into the next one, we got the Chiefs playing the Baltimore Ravens. And honestly, this one was more surprising than I was expecting. I was not expecting a close game. I know the Chiefs still won, but I wasn't expecting it to be a five-point game. And to be fair, if we when I, I was watching this game closely, it was not a five-point game. The final score was five points, but it was not a five-point game. Fair enough. It, it did seem like the Chiefs maybe had this in hand, but it was still, to see the scoreboard and to see it late and to see the stats, you're just kind of like, wait, Lamar did what? Huh? I will say what I took out of this game is both teams got exposed a little bit. Baltimore got exposed with their passing game because they basically when they tried to air it out, throw the deep throws, all that sort of thing, they got trounced. It wasn't until they just kept running with Mark Ingram relentlessly that they even got back into this yeah. game because no one expects you to run the ball down 21-3, to three, but they did, and it actually kind of worked out for them to an extent. 
And then Lamar scooting and running and dashing and diving, doing what he does, the ultimate playmaker. But also those two two two-point conversions they went for. The second one you had to, but that first one after your opening touchdown, stupid call. That set you back the entire game. That probably honestly was what ended up costing you down the, the game down the line. But I think it kind of exposed the Ravens' inability to beat you with the pass. Like they can, if their run is established, they can pass over anybody. But I don't think they can pass to set up the run, if that makes sense. Because yeah, like Lamar was not great. He had a few just few plays where he literally just chucked it straight to the sky, and Willie Sneed or the receivers made a stupid play. You can look up the highlight. One of them he threw it across his body from the opposite numbers. Floated up there for five minutes and Willie Sneed and basically mossed on a guy. I can't believe I'm using that sentence in my life ever. Yeah, I, I didn't think Willie Sneed could ever get up that high. <laughs> that was a, and that DB Fuller, I think it was, he needs to be embarrassed. He got mossed by Sneed. And then Kansas City, yeah. I think their defense got exposed for they can't stop the run. Like they've improved their pass rush. Their secondary is a little better than last year. They're not giving up the chunk plays. But now I think you can kind of have methodical drives on them. Last year, you couldn't really pick them apart. You either just shredded them or they got a sack. This year, they can stop the pass and contain it, but you can run the ball and stay on schedule and kind of piece and dink and duck him and keep him off the – keep Patty Mahomes and that stupid offense off the field. And I say stupid because it's ridiculous, not stupid because it's dumb, just for anybody out there who's going to throw a fit. But, <laughs> yeah. but basically, I no, think I'm... they just showed that – I think New England saw this, and I think a lot of those other teams saw this. Like, oh, this looks like a game where James White's going to get 50, 50 run plays and 50 pass plays and Sony Michelle and – so they play. I could see a New England trying to run the heck out of it. Oh no doubt. And I was I was just about to say that. Really, outside of Baltimore, the only team you have to worry about it in the AFC running running the ball over you like will be the Colts or the Patriots. And you know if this Chiefs team showed up against this year's Colts Colts team in a playoff series, the Colts might win as compared to last year. You know it's it's something watching it. Yeah, the the run game, the run the run stopping game for Kansas City. You know, not so great. And on the flip side for Baltimore, their passing game without Mark Andrews, who only who's held the three catches for 15 yards and targeted seven times, no touchdowns. Honestly, they, they looked inept. And it kind of showed, too. Like, they didn't let Hollywood Brown explode all over me. I had one long catch, kind of. But they didn't basically yeah. didn't let Hollywood Brown run loose, and you kept Mark Andrews limited. I don't know what yep. else, but they didn't. Nobody else really made any plays. Nobody else was really relevant for him. Exactly. I mean, you got Mark Ingram putting up three touchdowns, but they were all like within five yards. <laughs> so it's kind of like, well, there's Mark Ingram special, you know? Exactly. Yeah, they, yeah. It's crazy to see. I, I honestly still just didn't expect the scoreline to even say that to stay that close long throughout the game. So yeah, it was pretty interesting. But then since you mentioned them, I guess we just go to the next game: the Colts and the Falcons. And before we get too far into that, the first thing I want to say is, I think the Colt, the DJ, the Colts team needs to at least get put our logo up somewhere to give us a shout out or something because i've been saying the return of the mac basically since last year when he came back against i believe it was the redskins coming back off an injury and yet yep. he goes ahead and blasts it on the on the stereo after mac scores a touchdown i just want i'm not saying i need a credit or I, you don't need to you know say my name or anything just like put our logo somewhere up there just kind of drop yeah, it in the very far back stanchion or something like that <laughs> exactly no yeah you, you when you text me that i thought that was hilarious it's like Somebody's obviously been listening to the the pod, so shout out to the the Colts DJ for that one for shouting out our DJ on that. So the the one and a half things I took away from this game is Atlanta's a mess. Like they were so explosive in the second half, but in the first half, what happened? Like, and then of course defensive injuries. Connor O'Neill's probably out for the year. 
but he still had Deion Jones on a lot of them, and they just looked bad. They were out of sync. So many penalties. They had as many penalties like they were the Browns or something. And then the, just... the Colts, they continue to prove that they're legit. I mean, the return of the Mac, still going to still falling. I don't care if he played it. I'm still taking credit for it. He didn't exactly <laughs> unleash on them as much. I think he only had like 50-ish yards or something like that. But, God, they were well-timed yards. Jacoby, 16 of 16 to start the game. Piece them apart. Touchdowns, first downs, running the ball, checking out of plays. And this was including a game where T.Y. Hilton left with a quad injury. The Colts are a force, man. Darius Leonard didn't play. Jabal Shear didn't play. Malik Cooker was he was in and out a little bit. Kenny Moore left the game. Like The Colts are a resilient team. They are the epitome of next man up. There was that one play where Julio Jones was wide open. They got lucky that Matt Ryan missed him. But other than that, they had a pretty solid game, all things considering you're going against skill for skill-wise, one of the more prolific offenses we're going to see. Exactly. You know, you mentioned the next guy up. You mentioned T.Y. Hilton leaving the game. First of all, I got to say, Jacoby outdueled Matt Ryan. He only had another, what, six yards in Matt Ryan, but he didn't throw a pick, has two touchdowns. But on top of that, the Colts have nine guys who caught a ball for over 10 yards in the game. Nine How crazy guys. is that? Deion Kane, Marlon Mack, Mo Ali Cox, guys that are at this point, you know, I mean, you know, got Marlon Mack. Normally you're used to seeing him run the ball, not catching the ball. You know, Jack Doyle came in four, four catches, 46 yards. Ebron, three for 47. Like, and Jack Doyle had that game when it was third and one, they needed to get a first down. They threw it, they let him throw it. They didn't play scared. They packed the box goal line, nice little fake, and then hit Jack Doyle in the flat. Like, that just shows they have confidence in this guy. And while they're not the dynamic, basically ridiculous Super Bowl contender they would be with luck. I guarantee the Chiefs are not really looking forward to playing them in a couple of weeks. And you mentioned them, the ability to run the ball. They better pack that box because if Marlon Mack is healthy and he's returning of the Mack on everybody, we might have a lot closer game than anyone's anticipating. They might be able to keep that Chiefs offense at least from getting rolling because you're not going to stop it. They're still going to get 25, but you might be able to yeah, stop no. it from getting 30. Exactly. And, you know, it's funny because you missed Mac. Mack. His 16 carries went for 74 yards, so a, a pretty reasonable day for him right now in the season. But that's what's sad is he still averaged 4.6 yards a game, and that's considered, quote-unquote, bad for his season so far. I mean, he's been killing it this season. And just, you know, his off game still puts up 74 yards and a touchdown. Like, okay, I'm going to keep feeding that man. Like, oh, yeah. let, let's keep him going. <laughs> he was a little slow. And he did have a breakaway at the end that helped that. But, hey, that's kind of how you run. That's how a lot of teams run the ball. That was the old Adrian Peterson way of doing it. Just keep hammering it. One of these, he'll break away. He'll start 10, 10 carries for 30 yards. And the next thing you know, he'll have 12 carries for 100 yards. That's basically exactly. how Adrian Pe- young Adrian Peterson was. And now no, I'm not saying Marlon Mack is Adrian Peterson. I'm simply saying how you run the ball. Sometimes a big run is what ups it. But you take all those short two, three-yard runs to get to that 50-yard run. <laughs> there you go. And exactly. He, and he was dinged up coming into this game. He was questionable. So say it was Ty. Like this was not a healthy team. And I know. And it was their home opener. By the way, the first home opener they've won since 2013. Yeah, I was say it snaps a five game losing streak. And on top of that, you want to talk about Jacoby Brissett outdueling Matt Ryan. He became the third quarterback in Colts franchise history with a 115 plus passer rating in two of the first week season, first first three weeks of the season, joining Peyton Manning and John. That's like, crazy. So, you know, not too bad. He one-ups Andrew Luck, gets in, a, gets in a passing stat that Andrew Luck never got in for the Colts. That's just, I mean, not saying anything, but I think I'm, I think if I were a Colts fan, if I were in your position, I'd be like, all right, I can live with this. I'm looking forward to seeing them in the Raiders square off because last time when they played, it was 
razor close. It was basically Carr and Luck dueling it out. So I think I wonder if they're going to duel it out this time or if Jacoby's going to piece them up again. Is the return of the Mac going to take over? I'm just curious which Raiders team shows up and which Colts team shows up because they're a little banged up too. So you almost got to think, do I play T.Y. Hilton in this game or do I risk the biscuit and just let him sit one more week? So Exactly. Which, you know, you don't have a – don't have a bad bad chance if, if you bench him. I mean, yeah, you're missing T.Y. Hilton. That's a huge superstar to be missing. But, you know, you said it yourself, next next man up right now on that team. And they, they have the they have the ability and they have the players to, to, you know, fill in the gap. But you'd probably prefer T.Y. over not having T.Y. But against the Raiders, I think you can honestly probably, I won't say sit him, but you can see how it goes. Maybe, quote-unquote, suspend him for the first half. Maybe limited, <laughs> limited carries, like 15 plays on the game or something like that, and use, utilize a lot of tight ends and Marlon Mack, Naeem Hines. Like, keep it real keep it real tight, basically. Exactly. Anyway, so we'll move exactly. on from that game. We'll take a look at a team that's kind of surprised both of us, even though I picked them to win a lot of games. The way they're doing it is surprising is Green Bay taking on Denver. Denver falls to 0-3 after Green Bay's buzzsaw of defense, honestly – ran right through him. That 16 points was misleading because I don't even know how they got that 16 points. Honestly, it seems almost magical. But Green Bay's defense is a force of nature. The offense is spurty at best. But Green Bay's defense, that's basically what I'm taking away from this, is they're – obviously, they don't have the best defense in the NFC North, but they might have, like, the third best defense in the NFC, top five defense – top three or four defense in the NFC. Oh, yeah. No, this – it's crazy. You know, it's, it's crazy to see Green Bay win a game where – Aaron Rodgers went 17 of 29 for only 235 yards. Like, if I told you Aaron Rodgers only threw for one touchdown, but Green Bay won by 11 points, most people would be like, what? what? No. No point. It's crazy. That's happened a couple you times know? this year now. I mean, even week one, Aaron Rodgers has the one touchdown and nothing after that. Like, they really are – I'm not going to say they're winning in spite of him, but they're winning alongside him, I guess. Like, he's not carrying them by any means whatsoever. Exactly. I mean, don't get me wrong. He still has Valdez Scantling, but – his top target, Devontae Adams, only had four catches for 56 yards. I mean, Scantlin did, went six for 99 in a touchdown, but still, like, why is Adams not getting many more touches than that? And why is Jimmy Graham having one target only in a game? It doesn't make sense to me. It, whereas Mercedes Lewis, a blocking tight end, has two. Like, what, what, are, you, what are you guys doing in Green Bay? Um, but, yeah, no, their defense, man, is <laughs> – at this point, what, two forced fumbles in the game, an interception? It's just absolutely incra- insane right now. They just take the ball away, too, which I think is different than a lot of defenses. So like, them and the Bears are two of the better ones at just taking the ball back. Like, the Patriots, they shut you down, and you gain absolutely nothing. But these teams take the ball away, which is it's going to come in handy down the line. If you get Aaron Rodgers that many, t- that many attempts on offense, especially when him and LaFleur figure this offense out, I mean, I feel like it's still really – basically banging their head on the wall trying to get on the same page but when and if they do green bay might be a might be a super bowl contender i had them winning i believe it's 10 games being a wild card type team but the way their defense is playing they could easily take this division i mean they're at the top of it now and they don't look like they want to relinquish relinquish that anytime soon no exactly and you know it's funny too with this game for aaron Rodgers, he wasn't sacked for the first time in a game since week 12 in 2016 which is surprising. How crazy. And he still didn't have a great game. It's crazy, too, because we thought Denver, if anything else, was going to be able to have a pretty good defense with Vic Fangio, probably one of the best defensive minds of this generation. 
Bradley Chubb, mm-hmm. Von Miller, Chris Harris, but every other piece besides those three, I don't want to say it's trash, but they don't look good. Like, there's too many holes on that defense, even considering you have three studs like that. Can't say I said it, but I said it, you know? <laughs> like, I mean, outside of those three, who do you have? A bunch of no names and has beens and, you know, would have beens. It's, it's what it seems like. You don't have a whole lot of solid role players in that team. And, you know, to that point, the only person to catch a touchdown for the Broncos this season has been Emmanuel Sanders. And when he doesn't do anything, good luck. I will say they did yeah, do a pretty good job running the ball for what is thought of as a pretty bad offensive line. They do run the ball pretty decently. Philip Lindsay, Royce Freeman, they can get loose. Yeah, no, that's true. That's the one bright spot, I guess I should say. For the Obviously offense, not enough. But don't get loose enough to win the game by any means, but it's, yeah, it's inter- they can at least move yeah. the ball. <laughs> yeah, they need something more than Joe Flacco, too, as a quarterback. I, I just, I'm still not sold on that, and I don't think L.A. can ever pick a proper quarterback, so they need to get somebody else in there in that player development role, because this is, this is getting Once bad. Drew Locke gets Bad. healthy, I think they want to get him in there, but he has to get healthy first, and we'll see. I, I don't hate Drew Locke. I think he could be a start starting quarterback in this league. Oh, no doubt. I, you know, Fix the turnover issues, maybe. I mean, we'll see if those transition into from college into pros, but we've seen with, like, Sam Darnold, it does happen. They seem to follow you. So as long as he can keep his turnover issues at bay, I think he, Drew Locke has a chance. As long as he doesn't carry them over Jameis Winston style, he'll be all right. Exactly. And anyway, moving on forward, we'll look at a number, another couple number one overall picks. We had, well, I guess not a couple with one of them being injured, but Carolina taking it to Arizona 38-20. to Kyle Allen filling in for Cam Newton and dropping four touchdowns on Arizona's defense. And Arizona, again, struggles to find a win. What I'm going to take away from this is it might you might just have to let Kyle Allen ride this one out, man, because Cam's clearly not 100%, and I hate to say this, but I don't think he's going to be 100% this year. I think he's getting a little bit of that, I'm going to call it the Andrew Luck disease, which it's not his fault by any means because he's been assaulted relentlessly his whole career, but I think now it's one of those things where he's almost got cauliflower body. Every little hit's going to feel like a thousand hits. Like in a in the fight yeah. game, when a guy gets knocked out a couple times, suddenly he gets knocked out a whole lot easier after that. So I feel like Cam's not going to be 100% this year, if, especially if that shoulder's part of what's bugging him. He's not going to get back to 100%. And we saw what Kyle Allen did in this offense. If Cam's 100% healthy, he's an MVP candidate with the way this offense was rolling. You just need yeah. – I don't know if it's because Allen's more accurate necessarily – I, honestly, I keep seeing the joke about that commercial Cam had back in the day about that kid pretending to take his job. That's kind of what I'm seeing right now is this this young kid's coming up to take his job. And I, I honestly think it might almost be time to start thinking about post-Cam Newton. And I hate to say that, but just look at all these weapons they have, and they're all on pretty much all on rookie contracts. Your defense is still really good. It's not elite, but it's still really good. you got to kind of got to go for it now in these next couple of years. No, I'm. I you know, I'm not going to disagree with you. I first of all, let me just say I used to love that NFL play commercial with the kid warming up his arm. That was the best commercial I think they ever d- have done. And become before. your mom's favorite player. That's just. Oh, whoa, whoa, whoa! Now hold on. Yeah. Whoa, whoa, whoa! Now kid, hold on. That kid grew up. Yeah, no, Kyle still wouldn't do it. But you know this. You know, I, I don't know. I don't know if we can hang our hat on Kyle Allen just yet. We're still talking about the Arizona Cardinals right now. I know. You know, Brendan's 13-3 and three pick over the Arizona Cardinals, but still, still the Arizona Cardinals. Um, by the way, Brendan, if you're listening, I'm never going to let you live that down. I just want you to know that. So thank you for that gem of a 
comment back All in the day. All they got to do is win um, 13 in a row, and he's a genius. Exactly, yeah, I mean, at this point. But, no, I mean, I, I don't know if it's – Yes, it looked like Carolina has all the weapons, but is it a byproduct of playing the Cardinals or is it a byproduct of them actually being of, of Carolina being that good and just needing somebody to actually accurately hit somebody? Um, I don't know. I will say that touchdown pass that I went through to DJ Moore on that dig route that could be that just kind of shows why DJ Moore is taking the first round. I think he hasn't got a chance to explode on anybody since he came to the league, but. He's a stud, and I think DJ Moore is going to be a force for whoever's playing quarterback. As long as they can get him the ball, he's going to be a stud. Yeah, no, I think I, I think you're right too. I mean, I think they have all the chances in the world to be good uh, in Carolina, um, and I think you're right. You just ride out Kyle Allen until the wheels fall off, uh, because at this point, you know Cam is not healthy, and and if he's to ride with for a little bit longer then you got to let him get healthy you can't just throw him back in there anymore he's gonna want to but you gotta you gotta pump the brakes on cam getting back out there and being super cam because he's not going to be able to do that for much longer you know his maybe three years left in the league as a top top tier quarterback could only be one if you throw him back into the fire this exactly season. and i don't honestly think he could be super cam anymore he's gonna have to evolve into almost a pocket passing cam newton or like a slow bootlegging like the Jake Plummer and those kind of guys that can move but aren't running type quarterbacks. Guys you can get out of the pocket to throw the ball, but I think Superman Cam, unfortunately, I think those days are over and probably for his own health they should be over. Exactly. And you know it's kind of an ironic twist to this game. Uh, both Kyle Allen and Kyler Murray played together at Texas A&M and they both threw passes to Christian Kirk that same season. That's pretty cool. So a little bit of a throwback there with you know, Cliff Kingsbury being their head coach at the time or being their uh, quarterback's coach at the time as well. So a little bit of a duplicity, if you will, in the NFL today or yesterday. Good old duplicity. Love it. Exactly. That was Christian McCaffrey with Kyle Allen. He probably looked as good, if not better, than he's looked just because defenses, once the Cardinals quickly learned, oh, Kyle Allen's ripping us apart. Then Christian McCaffrey later on (laughs) took it to him and made him pay. So this guy. Yeah, 76 yards. And a cloud of dust. They could get just a healthy passer back there who can basically get the ball to these weapons. Look out. Anyway. Yeah, and you're exactly right. I mean, it opened up the box for, for McCaffrey. And, you know, it's amazing what happens when you open up – you when you open open an eight-man box into a six-man, five-man front, then all of a sudden it's like, oh, well, guess what? There goes that man again. And suddenly he's really, really loose. Anyway, exactly. we'll go to a different rookie quarterback here, Daniel Jones, getting his first start against Tampa Bay. And Daniel Jones down 18 points and leads a comeback. All I'm going to say is that Jones' era is off to a heck of a start. I don't know what more you could ask for as a Giants fan. He steps in there. and I don't want to say it looked like a young Andrew Luck with a Colts team, but he took a team that was pretty undermanned, especially when Saquads got hurt. I didn't think it was physically possible for him to get hurt when he's built like that, but I digress. And Exactly. A fast tight end, and he led them to victory. I know it was just the Buccaneers, and I know Jameis Winston's still Jameis Winston, but Mike Evans torched that defense, so it's not like it was a cakewalk by God, defense, yeah. but Daniel Jones was so composed, so comfortable back there. He was mobile. I mean, the touchdown runs, two touchdown runs, two passing touchdowns, like, and the way he was evading yeah. sacks and getting the ball down the field. I hate to say this because I still like Eli, but everything Eli Manning can't do anymore, he does, and he does it well. Exactly. And to your point, he got some help too. I mean, the first play out of the third quarter, you 
run a short pass play to Evan Ingram, and he runs it for 75 yards and a touchdown. Right out of the gate. Boom. You're on your way. Okay, you're 18. It's 28-18 at that point. What? Okay, you still have a lot to do if you're Daniel Jones. You get a five-play punt from the, the Bucks, and then he comes right back out on the next drive, leads him down the field 90 yards, and scores another touchdown. Like, you, honestly – you know, you can't ask for more from a rookie quarterback being down as big as they were at halftime to come out in the third quarter and answer that call. You know, show that your team, like, hey, we can get back in this. And boom, right like that, you have, you know, 15 points on the board in less than six minutes. That's just, you know, that's crazy to see. And uh, he was using all of his targets, including Darius Slayton off the bench from in the receiving core. You know, yeah, losing Saquads. I mean, I didn't. Again, I like you. I didn't think that was possible. Um, I thought the man was invincible at this point. But you know, he Daniel Jones. You know, he came into they, they had the reports come out after the game. He came into the uh, huddle before that fourth quarter drive when he led the touchdown, and he said, "Let's get an effing touchdown." And the guys said they had never seen that side of him. And guess what he does? He gets that effing holds touchdown. the ball on a read option, <laughs> runs it right into the end zone. Like, okay, their future. there's that man. Obviously, he's a rookie, and we kind of talked about this in the preseason predictions, and even leading up to it, I was like, I think he'll get you. He'll win you some games just because that's what rookie quarterbacks do. They sometimes look really, really good because no one knows what to do with them. But he has everything you need to be, like, to be that future franchise-type quarterback just from this one start and everything we've heard. If this is something – if this is the, a sign of things to come, it's going to look good for the Giants in a few years. Oh, Absolutely. It's going to look real nice for them. And then we'll move on to our next game here. We got the Texans taking on the Chargers, 27-20. to 20. Deshaun Watson versus Phillip Rivers. My takeaway from this game is Allen, Allen, Allen. Keenan Allen going <laughs> off and going absolutely ballistic. He had 13 catches for 183 yards and two touchdowns on 17 targets. The next closest receiver is Mike Williams with three catches on seven targets. So, it was the Keenan Allen show for the Chargers going against the Texans. And for the Texans, it was the Deshaun Watson show. I mean, it, DeAndre Hopkins yeah. had six for 60, pretty good. A dude named Jordan Atkins has two touchdowns. Kenny Stills has leads your team in yards. Watson has 350 yards, three touchdowns. He runs a little bit and makes plays happen. This was just the Deshaun show. And honestly, I think the Chargers really just ran out of time because I think they were in the they were on the verge of winning that game at the end. I think if there's any time left, Keenan Allen's going to get loose on them and probably score. Yeah, no, it's honestly, you're exactly right. Keenan Allen, wow, first of all. Secondly, Deshaun Watson, game from the kid. Uh, you know, they took away his top target in DeAndre. And, well, I say took away. They held him to 67 yards only and no touchdowns. But, you know, he's able to find Jordan Atkins. He's able to find Darren Fells. Kenny Stills, Will Fuller, you know, Duke Johnson out of the backfield. And he only got 19 yards out of his running back. Like, so this really was him putting it on his back and being like, all right, guys, jump on. Let me carry you. He got, you know, Carlos Hyde did have one touchdown, but he still only racked up 19 yards on, what, 10 carries? How embarrassing And when you combine both teams, they had 112-yard rushing combined on 36 carries with the longest rush of the game being a 15-yard run by Watson. And that's both teams combined. Like, this was all about quarterbacks today. Yeah, quarterbacks. And I got to say, man, the Texans' defense, you know, we make fun of J.J. Well, I say say we. I mean, I make fun of J.J. Watt for not being able to sack a quarterback. 
Well, he showed, shoved it in my face this one. Two sacks, two tackles for loss. I don't know how many batted balls. Um, the defense as a whole, five, you know, pass deflections, two two forced fumbles. Or, what, sorry, one forced fumble and one recovery by Zach Cunningham. And But, yeah, no, just – Dude, I don't, I don't get it. The Texans defense somehow got better when they lost Jadavion Clowney. I didn't think that was possible. Yeah, they're an odd team. Like right. they overperform and they underperform. It's a it's a weird combination of things. Like they're odd. I don't I don't know. Like, exactly. That's the best way to put it. <laughs> anyway, we'll look at our next game. New Orleans taking on Seattle, thirty three to twenty seven. The game without Drew Brees. I guess the one thing I I kind of want to make the joke about who needs Brees, but that'd just be stupid. No one believes that. So, basically, this game came down to, for me, was just the miscellaneous plays that the Saints made. I mean, Alvin Kamara, 69 yards rushing in a touchdown, nine, 90 yards receiving in a touchdown, the return for a touchdown, the defensive plays, the pass deflections, the fumble recovery for a touchdown. They just they just made more miscellaneous plays than the Seahawks. And the Seahawks, Russell Wilson stuffed the hell out of the stat sheet, especially late once the game was pretty much over. Yeah, like, I mean, it was, what, 33-6 to six or something like that at one point. Then Russell goes ballistic, gets you 400 yards, two touchdowns, runs in a couple. So fantasy football-wise, Russell Wilson was outstanding. His QBR is going to look me. fantastic. He was, but... he was great against me. Yeah, that's the – yeah, I, I feel your pain. But but anyway, like, he played a very – it was kind of like LeBron in the finals get in 2017 against the Warriors where he averaged a triple-double, quote-unquote, but it didn't really mean anything. This is kind of what this yeah, game felt crazy. like for Seattle is – like, some of these stats look ridiculous. I mean, Bobby Wagner with 18 tackles, Tyler Lockett with 154 yards. But none of them really changed the game. They just – they didn't do anything. I mean, obviously, this this is another one. The score was a lot closer than the game was because they got some garbage time, big-time garbage plays at the end. Or big-time plays in yeah, garbage got, time. It, it definitely felt like an empty stat sheet for sure. Like, when I looked at when I looked at fantasy football after the game, I was like, you're kidding me, right? Russell Wilson had that many yards? No way. And then you just sat there to think about it. Like, okay, I guess he did piece him up when the game was already over. But Jesus, like what? So, yeah, I looked at my team's like 150-point deficit after this game because they he had both Kamara and Russell Wilson. And let's just say I was not doing too well after that. <laughs> um, but, yeah, no, you look at you look at down at the Seattle stat line. And, and I will say the one thing to look at Seattle and kind of like, I guess, promising – is their tight ends lately. You know, Will Disley is absolutely showing up. No touch you know, he had one touchdown again today, two touchdowns last week, six catches, only out, you know, received by Tyler Lockett. Like that's And his debut you know, last year against the Broncos, he had two touchdowns on like three catches for a hundred and something yards. Like that dude can ball when he's healthy. Exactly. So, you know, in Seattle you got something brewing there. I mean, if you can stay ahead of teams, watch out now because you have enough weapons that you can do that. But honestly, you can't keep relying on Russell to keep rustling his way out of things. Cause it's, it's not working for, for too much longer. That's for sure. So, but moving on to the next one, we got these Steelers versus Niners. And, you know, for this one, I honestly, I don't know, man. Uh, Mason Rudolph still was there, but he wasn't. I, the, the Niners though, overall, somehow keep winning <laughs> and it hurts me to say three and oh the Niners just keep winning I, I don't get it um to me I feel like there should be a little more learning behind these guys but 
they just keep proving me wrong and somehow keep doing it without throwing George Kittle the ball. I mean, he had six catches for 57 yards. They threw him the ball. They just wasn't, he just wasn't racking him up like he did last year for 500 extra yards after catch. I'm sorry. I'm a little biased because I was going up against 150 fantasy points and he only got me through, well, five, but still. That's fair. It hurt. (laughs) But no, and you know, Mason Rudolph didn't have a bad game for the Steelers. 14 for 27, 174 and two touchdowns. Uh, but he did throw a pick. That pick hurt. Uh, they had no rushing game whatsoever, though. And, you know, it's nice to see, though, with Big Ben getting hurt, that somebody can throw the ball to Juju Smith-Schuster. Hmm. Uh, because we all know Big Ben decided he didn't like to throw the ball to Juju anymore. But he get, he ends the day with 81 yards and a touchdown, so not too shabby. Um, James Washington, though, that one I think that one hurts the most. Only two receptions for 14 yards. Like, that's your big play guy. You got to get him up the field, but immediate, immediate imp, uh, implications for Mika Fitzpatrick, though. He gets a pick. And a forced fumble, too. You know, cost, yeah, as I say, causes a forced fumble. Like, okay, dude, this is what you were, this is what you were brought in for. This is why I didn't understand why the Dolphins traded you. Like, go do your thing, young buck. Yeah, that he, he definitely jumped right in there and was like, hey, guys, I'm still a stud. Don't forget about me. Yeah. The two things I did at the first. Oh, sorry. Oh no, you're good. The two things I took out of this game were, a what happened to like everybody who said, "Hey, the Steelers won't miss Le'Veon Bell. James Conner's really good." I hope they feel stupid right now because I like James Conner, but he is nowhere near the category of a Le'Veon Bell. He's a pretty good running back who is a beneficiary of a damn good offensive line and a pass pass first offense. He's looked abysmal yep. this year. He's fumbled in key moments multiple times. They did. People just need to understand he's a quality running back, but he's not. You keep him and Le'Veon Bell at the same sentence. And honestly, Le'Veon Bell is probably laughing right now, even though his team's 0-3, because they are 0-3, and they look honestly worse than the Jets do, considering all things considered. And then on the 49ers side, I don't know how you win a game when you turn the ball over five times, because those five turnovers should be convincing, and I should jump off their bandwagon. But at the same time, that kind of made me more comfortable being on their bandwagon because in spite of one of the worst games they could possibly play, they still won the game. I mean, on a screen pass, Jimmy Garoppolo puts it too perfectly on Matt Breida's hands and he throws it to the defense. He basically is like, oh, I don't want it, and hop potatoes it to the defender. The other one on yeah, the dig route, his receiver doesn't make the diamond you're supposed to with his hands. He tries to catch it like one hand out, one hand underneath, and the ball pops up when it gets hit. And then the fumbles, my goodness, just – like yeah. everyone fumbled. No one could hold on to the ball. It was awful. Took Kyle Juszczyk's superhuman effort on that one catch before they finally got it going. And then even with probably their worst turnover game, Jimmy Garoppolo still gets you 270 and a touchdown. Game-winning touchdown at the end. Smart, clutch drive. Matt Breida still has five yards to carry. This dude, Raheem Mozart, he ends up being your leading rusher. Jeff Wilson Jr. has eight carries and two touchdowns. His George Kittle has six. Like, they just find weird ways to win. Like, they can win however they want. Yeah. DeForest Buckner with forcing a fumble at the end. Like, the Niners are a legit team now. I think they've kind of passed that threshold where I had them as an up and coming team. So now they're just, I think they're just a team people are starting to worry about. Cause even when they play like absolute crap, they pull off a win. Yeah, no, it's exactly right. And I, I think the one thing we're all leaving out on this, whether it's me, you, or the guys on NFL Network, that defense, man. That front set it's filthy. a lot better than we all gave it credit for. I mean, you have some young kids on there that were 
questionable to begin with that are actually stepping up. And honestly, the D Ford edition isn't really doing that much. Like he had a sack today or well, yesterday, but still like that's the first time we've heard his name basically this entire year. It's been like it's been the other yeah. guys like DeForest Buckner, Aquan Alexander, DJ Jones, Fred Warner, who was a surprise last year, Solomon Thomas, like, even Richard Sherman. Exactly. Still Solomon has- Thomas, a guy most people we're ready to write off, by the way. Exactly. And he's proven to be useful. And then Nick Bosa as well, who hasn't been exploding on people, but you definitely got to keep him in line. Like, he doesn't really fill up the stat sheet by any means, but he gets after the quarterback. And then Richard Sherman, he's still – he's not the best corner in the league anymore, but he's still got it. He's recovered from that Achilles injury. And Seattle could honestly probably use his services still. Exactly. That is 100% correct. I think Seattle's like – um, can you come back now? We might have been able to yeah. beat the Saints if you could help out. Just, just be, just saying. Yeah, they probably, they probably want a whole bunch of people back. But hey, that's their losses. Exactly. Good job, Pete Carroll. And then we'll move on to the other team at the top of the NFC West: the Rams taking on the Browns. And well, this was kind of goofy because I thought either the I thought the Rams would if it was a blowout they would win. If it was close, I figured it kind of favored the Browns. But it was close and it favored the Rams. Jared Goff looked kind of terrible for the most part when he wasn't throwing to Cooper Cup. Togger, he has arthritis in his knees, and he's still not healthy yet. Brandon Cooks had big plays, but that was it. Cooper Cup was the guy who moved the chains and made all the plays. And the Browns, they're a mess. They're just an absolute mess. Like, your boy, like the boy Nick Chubb, you, he's your boy, by the way. You give him the ball. Yeah, no, You give is. him the ball. I'll, I'll, you want to claim him on that one, even I'll, though it's a uh, – I'll take him. I'll, you know, I'll, I'll take Nick Chubb on him. I, I love that kid right now. Like, he's 23 for 96. Pretty good, but you can't get him in the end zone. And you run that draw on fourth and nine. What are you thinking? That just doesn't even make that sense. That was the worst play call I saw all weekend in both college and NFL. I, I, I saw some terrible play calls this weekend, but that was, I think, by far the worst play call I've ever seen. Like, that was just terrible. And the offensive line – did not look good by any means. Baker Mayfield looked lost. Like that was just a t- ugly game all the way around. Everyone minus Cooper Cup, it just didn't look that great. Yeah, no, I think honestly, I feel like Red Bow. You could have called a better play against, you know, Southeast Louisiana State University, South Central and, Louisiana State University Mud Dogs. Yeah, Bobby Boucher and you know him, him choosing to kneel the ball with on first and 10 in the middle of the third quarter yeah mm. he could have came up with a better play call than fourth and nine let's run a halfback draw like this is this is embarrassing i i don't even know what to say like i, I honestly felt like cleveland just said nah, screw it <laughs> it's almost like they didn't trust one and baker. two two and one who needs that extra win it's almost like they didn't trust baker to sit back there and make a player they didn't trust the old line or something i don't know but that was just reckless. Yes. Don't get me wrong. Like, I get it. Aaron Donald's on the other side of the line. You want to try to fool him. But let's be honest here. In a game where Jared Goff throws two picks and only two touchdowns, you know, you got to go for the throat. You got to just try to win the game right there. You don't You do not do that. It's just – and still not giving Odell any touchdown, you know, it, it, like any burn in the red zone, Jarvis in the red zone, it just doesn't seem to be – they just seem to be missing in the red zone. And I don't know if it's play calling or they just keep getting double covered in the in the red zone. But something needs to be worked out there. And this is kind of why I didn't have them winning the division. I gave it to the Steelers by default before all the injuries. Is they're just 
they're not really well coached, honestly. They're the opposite of the Bills. If you have this team, the Bills coaching, good luck, everybody else. I mean, that is a, yeah, seriously. so much talent, but they can't seem to get on the same page. Baker, I don't want to say he's regressed. I think it's just the sophomore slump. I think he's still going to be fine. I think he's kind of forcing the ball to Odell in certain situations a little bit more, and it's kind of set them in. I don't want to say it puts them behind the chains, but it puts kind of throws the offense off. The offensive line, they're – they were really good last year, honestly. They were ranked pretty high by pro football folks, if I'm not mistaken. And this year they just yeah, they, were. they don't look as good. I don't know if it's like they're calling longer five and seven step drops or what it is, but they just have moments where they get absolutely torched. Yeah, and you know, Greg Robinson looked like a resurgent guy last year. But this year he goes right back to being that kind of bust of a left tackle, you know, that he was when he got drafted. And that hurts me to say because he's an Auburn guy. But, you know, kicking a dude in the face one week, come back the next week and get absolutely torched, like, come on, man. You got to do better than this. You're not that bad of a player, especially not that bad of a left tackle. Like, I don't know what's going on. Uh, but, yeah, he just doesn't look good right now. And that's not helping the Browns at all. Not even a little bit. That's for sure. And we'll move on but. to our last game that just recently concluded the Bears taking on what's kind of left of the Redskins. And my biggest takeaway from this is, the Bears are not back, but it's close. They're getting there. Yeah. Like, Mitch Trubisky finally had a pretty decent game, 25 of 31, three touchdowns. One did have one egregious pick. He had a he only carried the ball one time for a couple yards. They gave the ball to David Montgomery finally. He had 13 carries for 67 yards. Cordell Patterson had a few carries. Tariq Cohen only got, a, like, four carries and got nothing. Taylor yeah, Gabriel's playing – yeah, Taylor Gabriel's playing Madden with his three touchdowns in the first in the second quarter. But it yeah. but at the same time it was the Redskins, so I mean take it with a grain of salt. The Redskins are they fight hard. They're they play tough. Case Keenum makes some plays, but they're not really a threat to beat you any given night. Terry McLaurin's really the one guy you have to think about. I mean, Case Keenum with three fumbles, three picks, he's is Dwayne is, I understand not putting a Dwayne Haskins in the middle of this game because I mean I don't want to stuff my new franchise quarterback in there against Khalil Mack either. But I think I think you got to put him in there next week. Let Dwayne Haskins get out there. You're not winning anything this year. You're 0-3, and you've had, like, one good half in three games against that first half against the Eagles. It's time to move. It's time to give the guy Haskins a little bit of a chance to burn. Exactly. I would understand agree. And, you know, one thing for the Redskins that kind of bothers me is they have Chris, Chris Thompson still back there, a guy who two years is two years removed from being – one of the best rookie running backs in the league, one of the best running backs, period, in the league, you know, putting up 100-yard games on the ground and in the air. But he's being second string to Adrian Peterson, who might as well just be in crutches at this point. The dude looks like a decrepit old man halfway into his grave. Like, I don't get it. And, you know, you're just not using him. You're not – honestly, you're not setting up Case Keenum to succeed. You're literally being like, all right, Case, go out there and throw 43 passes – Let's see what you can do. And you don't have enough weapons as the Redskins to really be trying to throw the ball 43 times without using a running back like Chris Thompson or, you know, having somebody other than McLaurin to throw the ball to because you have no offense to him, but he's still a rookie. Like, you got Paul Richardson. Eh. Vernon Davis. He's an old man. Trey Quinn. Who? You know, Steven Sims. Who's that? Jeremy Sprinkle, he sounds like he belongs in a cupcake factory. Like, just doesn't make any sense. Like, what are you trying to do with the Redskins? Again, 
I'm a Cowboys fan, so I love to see them struggle. But as a football fan, I absolutely hate watching bad football. And I honestly just watching this game, I'm like, it's it was very convenient for Washington to score 15 points. They didn't deserve it. Period. They kind of lucked into those I mean, 15 points. It felt like it felt like the Bears' defense was like, yeah, we've done enough. We've already torched him enough. We're just gonna lay back here. Even on a QB sneak on fourth and one, there's like, no, 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 we can't let you have that. And just force a fumble casually. So I think exactly. I think this Bears' and, defense and point- is still that defense to worry about. This could that could still lead them to the Super Bowl, like I thought. If Mitch is back on track, which I'm not sure if he is necessarily, but this is a pretty good start. If he can give you more games similar to this, I feel much better about my prediction than what I had the last two weeks. Exactly. And, and, you know, to your point about the Bears almost being back and whether you wonder if they are, they're doing this without getting Tariq Cohen involved, a guy who they traded away Jordan Howard for, who we just talked about. You know, they just traded him away because they knew Tariq Cohen can be that dude. And then they got in David Montgomery, and now it's like, Tariq Cohen is not really producing running wise or in the or in the receiving, but they're still able to win. And it'll be scary to think about this team if they can get Tariq Cohen involved. They just gotta get him out of this. Space. This team with Tariq Cohen is, dude. This this team with Tariq Cohen can can do some things. It's a lot like Reggie Bush USC era, um, as far as what Tariq Cohen can do in the NFL. It's it's insane. He's got that X factor. So that'd be a, that'd be interesting one to go for. He's got that X factor feel. Exactly. They just can't seem. They can't get him involved within the offense without it being like an X factor, if that makes sense. Like, he can't just be part of the offense. He has to be almost the gadget play guy, is what it's starting to feel like. Unfortunately, yeah, I think that there might be something to that. Like, kind of like the old Dexter McCluster roles. Exactly. Um, which, for those of you who are too young to understand what we're talking about, basically think um, what Oregon does with any super fast guy ever. Basically, yeah. That's, that's basically what Dexter McCluster is. He just end arounds. Um, you know, trick plays, throwbacks, things like that. You would always be involved. Just get the guy the ball in open space and let him work. And they should really do that with Cohen a little more often. But I think teams see him in the game like, no, no, no. And just kind of, a, they key in on him. But So they have to get, they have to throw the ball to Allen Robinson, Trey Burton. They have to move the ball around a little bit. And when Mitch is able to do that, they're pretty, they're a quality team. They're a Super Bowl team. It's when he's has to drop back 40 times and read the defense and basically go from sideline to sideline and make the quick read is when he, Basically, it was money struggles. Yeah, and this game is kind of a bad one to look at, too, for the running game. Because, honestly, after the first half, it felt like Chicago came in the second half. It was like, all right, we'll play one series, and then Mitch threw the pick. And it was like, okay, we're not going to do that anymore, guys. We're just going to line up there. David Montgomery, you're getting the ball. Basically, Good luck, yeah. everybody else. Basically, yeah. We're gonna, <laughs> and thankfully, they didn't give him, like, four touchdowns because I was playing him in fantasy. So, thank you, guys, for not letting David Montgomery score four touchdowns. Yeah, at least the Redskins can, Redskins can stop a run a little bit. That yeah, wasn't recent, but yeah. <laughs> so that'll so that do for our NFL stuff. So college football, there are some pretty good games here. Any of them that you want to touch on in particular? Gee, I wonder where you're going with this. Uh, so I got three big ones that I want to touch on. Um, first of all, I want to start with UCF because I tooted their fucking horn. Excuse my French. And then they go to Pitt, and I said it in the last podcast. Be careful, Pitt. They can play ranked teams well, and they like to upset people. And guess what Pitt goes and does with one minute remaining in the game? You ruin the hearts of Southern Florida. Kill UCF and destroy the Golden Knights, and you now look like that evil dragon monster in every single kid's horror book. It's, you know, honestly, I hate it, but at the same time, it was bound to happen that UCF loses. 
It just sucks that it lo- they lost to Pitt because it's going to be looked at as an unranked Pitt team who aren't that good, but in reality, it's an unranked Pitt team who probably could be in the top 25 at the edge of it and is really good at home, and they love to beat up on teams that are in the top 25. Doesn't make any sense why Pitt is so good against top 25 opponents when they're unranked at home, but they do. You know, they did it to BC so many years in a row, to Clemson, to Florida State. West Virginia back in the day when West Virginia was in the top six or so. Steve Slayton. Exactly. So, you know, it's just it's a place where ranked teams go to die, basically. I will say, Um, this doesn't hurt me as much because I was sick of UCF fans saying, oh, we won the national championship two years ago because we were undefeated, blah, blah, blah. Well, now they can shut up at least for a minute. Yeah, no, don't get me wrong. That one hurt me more than anybody because, you know, they had beat my beloved Auburn Tigers Hmm. in the Peach Bowl with me in attendance, and that hurt a lot. But, yeah, that was – yeah, I'm kind of glad to not hear that anymore. But at the same time, I was really hoping UCF could make it a a case for non-Power 5 teams. But, again, like all things, they're bound to lose. So, it was a matter of time. Um, that was the one that, for me, that just kind of stood out, number one. Um, number two, though, Auburn, Texas A&M, one of the big top 25 matchups. Uh, honestly, this game was a lot closer than 20 – or you know, well, not a lot closer, but it should have been a, should have been 28-3, um, to not 28-20. to It ended a lot closer than it should have been. But Texas A&M in that third and fourth quarter decided, hey, we want to play. And Auburn was like, all right, we got this game. We're going to go walk into the end zone and just celebrate all the time and – yeah, no, Texas A&M showed that you cannot just give up on a team. Um, they can come back and almost sco- almost beat you. And I give a lot of credit to Texas A&M to sit there and through three quarters and absorb Auburn just putting up 23- 28 on you and you only getting three and then being like, you know what, screw it. Let's go put up some points and put up 17 unanswered. Like that was – It's the most Auburn thing I could think of too. The most – that Auburn dominates the whole way, and then they give a bunch of easy points to win close. Just the most Auburn thing I could think of. Absolutely. And, and my one worry about that, though, is if they're doing that against a top 25-ranked team in Texas A&M, what if they do that against somebody like LSU, if they're up on LSU, or even an unranked Mississippi State team? Like, what happens then? A team that can come back and just real quick and in a hurry beat you up. The answer to that is they lose if they do that against LSU or any of those teams that are basically ranked ahead of them. Yeah, like, that's what scares me, you know, as an Auburn fan going forward is, you know, can, as you as a coach, like, can Kevin still the defensive coordinator for Auburn, can he come in and be like, look, we didn't do good enough from the third quarter on and basically rip a new one. And I was looking at today, and Kirk Herbstreit has – Kirk Kevin still has the number one overall performance as a, head, as a coach in this past week. And I was just like, what? Hmm. Did you not watch the same game as me? Hmm. Where he, like, they gave up 17 unanswered. Like, did you not see that? Okay, what? Uh, but yeah, like, I mean, I just worry about that going forward. Uh, but the last game, and probably the biggest game that we've seen so far this season since Auburn, Oregon, um, you know, Notre Dame versus Georgia. Ooh. And uh, this one, I gotta say, Notre Dame did a lot more for their cause in a losing situation than Georgia did winning the game. Um, you know, Notre Dame, they went down. 23-10, and, you know, it, it was huge to go down back and only lose by a touchdown. You know, that's shows a lot of fight for Notre Dame. 
But on top of that, like, shows a lot of questions for Georgia's defense going forward. I know it's Notre Dame, but, you know, Notre Dame came out and they were piecing them apart, running, throwing, you name it. They Georgia just could not stop them. Um, a couple of lucky penalties uh, on Notre Dame kept the cl- score close. But, yeah, man, Georgia, whew, I got to say, they got lucky on this one. Uh, 20, you know, 23-18 is – yeah, or sorry, 23-17 was a lot closer than – than it probably should have been. But Notre Dame showed that, you know, they do show some fight versus some SEC schools. So if this is close going down to the wire, you know, in the playoff chances, and there's a couple one-loss teams, and Notre Dame's one of them in the close, you know, maybe fifth or sixth, in, in, and they're looking to get a playoff team in, don't be surprised if, if Georgia's one of those playoff teams in there that Notre Dame might sneak in and be a fourth playoff team with one loss. I mean, if it's only to Georgia, it could be a – could be a little crazy at the end of the se- end of the season because the of Fighting Irish showed they would not they will not so we'll see how they carry on throughout the rest of the year too. I think this is another case exactly. for having eight teams because teams like Notre Dame, we'd like to see them rematch again, possibly rematch Georgia later. Or play some other SEC, ACC, bigger conference teams later on. Because they showed they they belong more now than they did a couple of years ago when they did make the playoff and got absolutely ramrodded. Yeah, exactly. They definitely do look they look more like a team built to possibly play a team like – I think they play a team like Oklahoma a lot closer than they play a team Georgia. But now that they've seen Georgia once, I would love to see what they do against them a second time. That's exactly. But so moving on, you speaking about the fighting Irish showing a little fight. Uh, we're going to move into the fight game this weekend. Uh, there were some, some crazy fights, a little crazy incidences during the fights. Uh, what did you see this weekend? The biggest one was the main event in the UFC fight in Mexico City. Yair Rodriguez taking on Jeremy Stevens. Jeremy Stevens is basically the ultimate prototypical power puncher at the smaller weight classes. He throws everything with the intention of killing a bull elephant. And Yair Rodriguez is considered the quote-unquote new breed with his dynamicness, his kicks, his flashiness, his movement. And 15 seconds into this barn burner, we get a disgusting eye poke that unfortunately ends the fight. It was a weird one when he threw a kick. It kind of looked like his fingers kind of pawed and swiped and could be the kind of thing that scratches a cornea. Like, Stevens couldn't even open his eye after five minutes because it's still spasming. I hate eye pokes. I wish there's a way to get rid of them. I don't know if it's the gloves or what it is. If you got to get new gloves, you got to find a way to curve their hands. But, God, I hate them. And it's a shame to see this fight end this way. Hopefully they get it rescheduled and booked pretty quickly. And the fans in Mexico, what are you doing? Throwing bottles of alcohol and throwing throwing things into the into the cage and down at the people cage side like that that was just ridiculous like no matter how mad you are that's just like uncivilized that's like a like i think it was last year when the fans threw a beer can at the jacksonville's head jacksonville players head yeah it's unnecessary like you're you're in the stands fan stands for fanatic that's fine but you cross the line at that point you could seriously hear somebody throwing a beer can or anything like that at somebody exactly yeah you don't People, people don't seem to understand that when they throw objects like that, it, it can be dangerous. Like, you know, for example, we were at, I was at the Atlanta United game this weekend. Atlanta scores a goal, and some, some dude in the Atlanta supporters section is throwing a beer cup back behind him, hitting people in the face, dumping beer all over this kid in front of us. Like, I was kind of shocked. Like, like, you don't throw stuff, man, especially don't throw full beer cans. Like, I get celebrating, but it's a regular – it's a regular season game in the game that I was talking about or – in the fight, it's a it's a fight like two guys going in there to kill each other, and you're watching it for your pleasure. 
there's already something messed up with you for doing that and enjoying it. We're all a little messed up about that. But then on top of it, don't go throwing objects at people. It's just one of the most embarrassing things fans. Exactly. If they feel comfortable throwing that stuff, I won't see how comfortable they feel if I throw this fist back at them. Exactly. Like, yeah. You, you know, you don't see a professional baseball player throwing a baseball at a fan, you know, just because he's not happy. Although, you know, yeah. Trevor Bauer sure made a case for the opposite earlier this season. Oh, but, Trevor you know, Bauer. you just don't see it. Exactly. <laughs> and then the one game for college football, I'm going to touch on that. We, we didn't overlook it. We just didn't want to talk about it. But the, the Wolverines getting absolutely destroyed by Wisconsin. Jim Harbaugh, once again, unfortunately, is showing in college football he can't win those games he's paid to be to win, basically. Wisconsin, Ohio State, Michigan State. He's won, like, what, two of those games in his entire tenure so far? It's yeah, it's bad. I mean, Jonathan Taylor's a stud. We all know that. He's a Heisman. He's a maybe not the Heisman front runner, but he's right up there. But how do you get absolutely crushed? What was it, 28 to nothing at halftime, 28 to 7, something along those lines? Yeah. Jonathan Taylor got pulled out at halftime. Which is insane. Like, you are Michigan. I don't know why people keep putting them in the top 10 in the preseason polls every damn year just to get disappointed. This is not the ones we grew up where we saw, like, Michael Hart and where they were the second-ranked team facing off against Ohio State as the first-ranked team. These aren't the same stud Michigan teams we watched. Not Bo Schembechler. Who was the coach that back in the 2000s? Oh, goodness. There was a couple. I can't think of the, the, the really successful one's name. or. Yeah, but anyway, like, this is definitely not the same one. This is a – this. They need to just get taken out of the top 25. I hate to say it. Like, it's just they've done nothing to deserve it at this point. No, it's it definitely feels like a team that's that's put up there for their reputation. It's kind of like Florida State where, you know, they started in the top 25 as well. And real quickly, they dropped out. And I feel like it's the same with Michigan. They're just up there because of their reputation and because they are able to get recruits. But they only get those recruits because they are Michigan. They don't get those recruits because Harbaugh's a good recruiter because – Let's be honest, he's losing a lot of recruits to Michigan State, to Wisconsin, who just beat the crap out of him, to Ohio State, to Iowa, to Iowa State. You know, you get, you're losing a lot of big recruits to schools in your conference and just outside of your conference in your recruiting area. It's not a good look for him. By the way, that coach I was thinking of was Lloyd Carr. That was who I was trying to think of. I could not yeah. get – I could not remember his name. Bo Schembechler was stuck in my head for some reason. But anyway. No, it's an understandable – It's an, Bo Schembechler is an understandable name to be stuck in your head for Michigan. Yeah. Good old cigar smoking bow. But so basically, that was just one like they need to figure it out because I like I'm not even a Michigan fan by any means, but having Michigan Ohio State actually mean something. At the end of the year is always this is one of my favorite games. Like just having those big time games because they don't really have a conference championship. So I mean, might as well have one of those games rivalry games at the end mean something. Yeah, well, I guess they do now have a conference That's championship true, but... recently with the realignment. But to your point, I mean, it's two years old. So it still doesn't feel right to not have a Michigan-Ohio State game mean something because the last last time it really meant something was about four or five years ago. Um, you know, it, it just – I don't know. It feels like a gimmick now at the end of the season for, you know, Ohio State to go around and mark out all the M's on their campus. You know, it just feels like a gimmick at this point. It doesn't even feel like it's important enough to do that. Like, And even the last time – They should probably go around and mark out all the W's when they play Wisconsin because that's the only competition they really have in that – that division and unfortunately they basically run through both those teams too like even when they played michigan the last time it mattered they rolled michigan and wisconsin while yeah. it's not as bad they wisconsin usually doesn't have any answers for them wisconsin's just a 
well-coached team that plays really hard, but they're usually not a, they're not a team that's usually a contender. I mean, I know they were ranked number four a couple of years ago, and if they had beat Ohio State, they would have been in. But I don't think anyone really thought they were going to. Just the talent deficit is just too large. Yeah, it's, it, honestly, it's one of those things where the difference is Wisconsin can can recruit linemen and running backs, but they lack explosive receivers and quarterbacks to throw the big ball. They have very efficient short-term quarter, like short-distance quarterbacks, but they don't ever get your big arm throwing the ball over the top, throwing somebody open, or breaking the game open with your feet. Whereas, like Ohio State, Michigan, they will always get those guys because they are Ohio State, Michigan, and they always get that receiver who can break the game open. Like last year, Ohio State had what three of them? You include Terry McLaurin, Paris Campbell. They they always have them. Oh yeah, it's it's crazy to see. So I don't know. It's unfortunate for Wisconsin. I don't know if they can pull it out this season, but if there's a chance to possibly beat Ohio State, it might be this season. So we'll see with that coming up, but I don't know yet. Yep, and then, of course, LSU, I think, continues to stash themselves as a force that maybe your Auburn Tigers and the Alabama Crimson Tide are the only teams they really have to worry about. But if they could take out those two, LSU could be a team to worry about. They can throw the ball this year. I did think Jordan Burrow was going to be that good. I thought it was a little misleading, but He's kind of grown on me a little bit. I think he's a true passing quarterback that can he can win you he can win the conference he can win the NCAA championship this year, I believe. I will say two things about this game. One, the left guard for LSU had two pancakes on one block or on one play. And then the first guy he pancake got pancaked again by the center. So that poor guy was pancaked twice on the same play. But overall, in that exact play, there was four total pancakes in there, two by the left guard. I just have to say that. So that was impressive. The Louisiana State um, University IHOPs. His, yeah, it was literally on top of his, like, ten pancakes for the game. He had a great game. But it was Vandy. And you gave up 36 points to Vandy. So... I'm not saying Vandy doesn't deserve to be in the SEC for football, but Vandy doesn't deserve to be in the SEC for football. Uh, they, You gave up 36 points to a team that, if we're ranking them one through however many Division One teams, they're going to be in the bottom third rankings for talent in Vandy. I just – I worry about LSU going forward, especially when they're about to play Alabama. You know, you're about to play a team who – Literally just pieced apart everybody. That same that same Vanderbilt team, they pieced apart that same Vanderbilt team. You know, like, good luck stopping Jerry Judy. Good luck starting Henry Ruggs. You know, good luck starting stopping all those weapons that Alabama has if you're giving up 36 points to Vandy is my comment towards that. But who would you rather have uh, throw the right. ball if you have to pick a quarterback, Burrow or Tua? It depends. Am I running – an Alabama offense, or am I running an LSU passing game? Your choice. Because if I'm running an LSU actual passing game, then I'll take Joe Burrow all day long. I'll say if you – If I'm running Alabama's dink and dunk system, I'm running Tua. I, but that's just because I don't trust Tua to throw a long ball, and I trust Joe Burrow to throw an actual passing s- scheme system. I'd say – Like, if I were to take him to the next level, I think Joe Burrow is the guy. That's pretty much what I was getting at, is with LSU for the first – their program basically known for not having quarterbacks. I mean, Jamarcus Russell was arguably their quote-unquote highlight quarterback in recent years, and we saw that turned out. He gives them something yeah. else they haven't had basically since who knows how long. Quarterback can, can go win you the game. 
and not just because you have Odell and Jarvis Landry or anything like that receiver. This guy can ball, and I think he can overcome deficiencies if their defense struggles like that against Alabama because Drudy and Ruggs, no matter who's throwing the ball, whether it's Tua, throwing it up there, heck, I can go throw for a couple hundred yards if you give me those guys. He's the kind of quarterback that if you're down 28 to 10, you don't feel like you're out of it because you think he can come back and make the plays to get you out of it, where previous LSU teams, if they're down 28 to 10, it's over because they're lucky to score 17 most games. Yeah, exactly. But, no, I mean, honestly, I, I would I would happily go to Alabama and be their starting quarterback if I knew I could get to the NFL by throwing little dump-off passes to Jerry Judy and Henry Ruggs, though. So, to your point, yeah. And if I do throw it down You'd the field, there's in, 15 yards of separation. So, if I'm a little off, it's okay. Yeah, you'd see me in crimson and white yelling that RT word all the time if, if they offered me to go do that. Hmm. So, uh, that's, that's my feelings on that system. But I'm biased. I don't like Alabama very much. so you know. <laughs> And, I mean, you're not really a threat of getting hit behind that offensive line either. So, you got time to let things work no. themselves out. So, I will say playing quarterback exactly. for Alabama is not exactly the most difficult task. Not, not anymore, that's for sure. They got enough weapons around that. Yeah. You know, if we were talking about during A.J. McCarron's days, okay, I'd give Tua a little more credit. But right now he has a Henry Ruggs who can is literally roadrunner out there. Uh, and he blocks, by the way. Fan favorite because he blocks. Yeah, the first time we watched uh, Jerry him was Judy, because is... of him blocking. We're like, I like that guy. And then suddenly he turns into a first-round pick at receiver right before our very eyes. Exactly. Yeah, we were talking about it during the playoff, ser- the playoff games last year. We were like, you know, that guy, he would fit well with like a team like the Steelers who like blocking, running back, or blocking wide receivers. And then going into the season this year, and future top 10 pick, or future top first-round pick rugs, and we're like, oh. Yeah, we hmm. called that. Like, you know, it's, it's we, we've been talking about the dude since, just because he can block first, but not yet. Like, even that game against when he, they played your Auburn Tigers last year, even when he scored, it was like, gosh, I'm mad, but at least it was Ruggs who scored, but I'm mad. Exactly, yeah. It's like, you know, at least I can respect players who play the game right, I, but, yeah. He's one of the guys that I can I, – I'll have a hard time as an Auburn fan being like, I hate you because, honestly, I respect the way he – can't hate that. But. Exactly. And then Jerry Judy, enough said. Punching Judy mm. himself. <laughs> but I guess that does it for us this week. Anything else you want to add? Can't wait for this next week. We have some pretty good games on tap, and hopefully they all play out, and there's no shenanigans, hopefully. Exactly. Hopefully no more shenanigans. But that does it for this week. And as always, like and subscribe. Pass it on to your friends. Share the world. Uh, but we'll see you again next week.
Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Hi, I'm Maria. And I'm Mike. And we're Team Team Ready. Ready. Black Hills Energy knows your home is where your heart is. So they want you to be ready. It's all about keeping you safe, prepared, and making your home as energy efficient as possible. Everything from how to weatherize your home to how to stay safe during extreme weather. Be ready for anything. Go to blackhillsenergy.com slash team ready. 